I've been keeping the Everfolk Point Lighthouse for around four years now. It's a decent enough job, although probably not what one might imagine if they signed up to be a lighthouse keeper. I figure that people probably picture me living alone on some desolate rock, spending my days tending to chores and looking sternly out at the sea during the evenings with a cup of warm grog, but that's really only half true. For starters, I'm not alone. There's always been at least one other person with me during my rotations at the lighthouse. It's better to work in teams, partially because it's good to have company, and partially because in case anything happens, it's better to have someone who can call for help. Working in any lighthouse can be dangerous. When you're that close to sea, any storms that come your way hit you like a brick, and if you're not prepared, they will kill you. Working in a lighthouse is hard too. I've met some folks who think that the job is just turning the light on and off again, but it's nowhere near that simple. All lighthouses, even the automated ones, still need maintenance. The storms that come off the water wear them down quickly, so you spend most of your time shoring them up, making repairs and doing maintenance. In the four years I've worked at Everfolk Point, I've probably repainted the whole property two or three times. And I wouldn't be surprised if I have to repaint it two or three more before I get transferred. That said, while they work me like a dog, it's not all bad. I don't actually stay at the lighthouse 365 days a year. I spend one month there and then I get one month off. In effect, I'm really only working six months out of the year. They do it to prevent people going stir crazy, like you see in the movies although it doesn't stop you from going a little crazy. Simply put, when you're working at the lighthouse, things can get a little weird and that's okay. You're more or less completely cut off from the rest of the world, save for one radio you're only expected to use in an emergency and little to do in your leisure time. Put in those circumstances, people tend to find some interesting hobbies to keep themselves occupied. For example, one of the guys I often worked with, Gideon, took an interest in taxidermy and collecting bones. He'd find dead animals washed up on shore or out in the woods and turn them into little projects. He actually got pretty good at it. Once, he even brought home a frickin' moose skull. It was simultaneously the creepiest and coolest thing I'd ever seen in my life. He brought that skull home with him after our rotation ended, and as far as I know, it hangs in his living room to this day. Personally, I always pass the time by baking bread. I'd originally only started doing it out of necessity. We had to make most of our food completely from scratch. But after my first few batches turned out badly, I wanted to up my game and I may have gotten a little obsessed with it. Oh, I could talk for hours about baking bread. I've even come up with my own recipes. I make this fantastic spicy cheesy bread that it, it's to die for. It's great for a sandwich. And lately, I've been expanding into bagels, which is kind of an art form in and of itself. If you've never made bagels from scratch before, you just haven't lived. A real homemade bagel makes the stuff you get at the grocery store look like a sad joke. One taste of the real thing and you'll never be able to go back. Ah, but there I go getting all carried away. I didn't sit down to talk about bread. That's not really what's on my mind tonight. No. See, I got back from my last rotation about three days ago. 
But I've had this particular incident on my mind for about two weeks now. I really don't know what to make of it. I've filed the relevant reports, of course, and as far as I know, the situation is technically resolved, but that hasn't given me much in the way of closure. I suppose I'm hoping that by sharing it here and putting it out into the world, that will change. I worked at a few different lighthouses before I got posted at Everfolk, and as I said before, I know that sometimes the isolation can make you a little weird, but in my experience, it's always been the people who've been weird. And up until I went to Everfolk, I hadn't seen a single thing I couldn't logically explain. But when I started finding the dolls, that all changed. I first noticed them a few months after first starting my posting at Everfolk. It'd been a quiet Sunday morning, and I'd been going down the beach to do some fishing. When I saw one, I'd initially figured it was just garbage. We saw plenty of it washed up on the rocky beach. Usually, I'd just pick it up and get rid of it. But as I went to grab it, I noticed the puffy cheeks and squashed nose. As I looked down at the face, it clicked that I was looking at the face of a baby, and I felt a brief stab of panic before realizing that this thankfully wasn't the corpse of an actual baby. It was just a doll. It was worn down by the elements. Yes, and it sure as heck looked like it's seen better days, but it was just an ordinary baby doll. Well, mostly ordinary. When I picked it up to inspect it, I couldn't help but notice that somebody had gone through the effort of putting actual baby clothes on it. This stuff looked handmade. Honestly, the sight of it kind of broke my heart. Once upon a time, somebody must have really loved this doll and it was a little tragic to find it washed up on some faraway shore. The idea of just casually throwing it out didn't really appeal to me. Call me sentimental, but hurling something that well-loved into the trash just felt wrong. So I kept it. And as I went down to my usual fishing spot, I carried it with me so it would dry and not soak the contents of my backpack. I guess I'd wondered if maybe I could somehow find its owner. The internet's a big place. Maybe if I posted it when I got back home, I could reunite it with whoever the original owner was. Even if they didn't want the doll back, it was in pretty rough shape. The clothes could probably still be salvaged. That's gotta be the creepiest thing I've ever seen, said the girl I'd been working with back during my first rotation at the lighthouse. Her name was Ashley, and she'd been there for two years longer than I had. Oh, come on. Look at his little coat. It's kinda cute, I'd replied. Ashley had just grimaced. It's still got weeds tangled in it, she said. And look at the eyes, the paint's faded off. Ah, give him a little TLC and he'll be right as rain, I said. Although Ashley didn't seem convinced. She just stared mistrustfully at the doll, inspecting it without daring to put her hands on it. I was busy preparing that day's catch for dinner and Ashley reached over to take one of the wooden spoons we used for cooking so she could use the handle to turn the doll over. Look at the teeth marks on it too. Something's been chewing on this, she noted. They're battle scars, I said. No fun going on an ordeal like this without some battle scars, right? And besides, I always thought flaws like that gave something a little bit of personality. 
Again, Ashley just huffed. There's some cracks on the back of the head, she noted. I saw some coyotes down by the beach the other day, I said. Maybe they thought it was food. I'll glue it and patch it up. Then see if I can't find the original owner. I'll bet some kid probably wants this back. You are aware that this thing's probably been floating out at sea for years, right? She asked. Again, I just shrugged. Well, maybe I'll just make some random woman's day then. I said. And that was that. True to my word, I did post some photos of the doll I'd found online when my rotation ended, although I never heard anything back about it. A few people commented on just how creepy the doll was, but I didn't really pay them much mind. It was an abandoned doll that had washed up on a remote beach in Labrador. Of course it was doomed to be a little bit creepy. But I was hoping that somebody would claim it all the same, and when nobody did, I still kept the doll, putting it on the desk of my apartment just in case. It still felt wrong to just throw it out after all. I found the next doll about four months later, during one of my winter rotations. I was working with Ashley again, and we'd been trying to shore up the lighthouse against an oncoming blizzard that was due to hit us that night. The winds were pretty strong that day, and had already torn down some shingles off the shack where the foghorn was kept. It blown them down towards the beach, and I'd gone down to collect them. We couldn't fix the shed until after the storm, obviously. Just being too close to the foghorn would have shattered your eardrums. Even from down on the beach, the periodic drone from the horn made my entire body shake. Even in the cabin, we had to time our conversations around it, lest it interrupt us. But I figured it was better to at least have the shingles, so we could do the repairs later. And while I was collecting them, I noticed another shape lodged between some of the rocks. This doll was in much worse shape than the last one. In fact, I didn't even realize it was a doll at first. The head was completely missing, and the body was tattered to the point where I could see the bendable joints inside. This one was past saving, but I still brought it with me, if for no other reason than to get it off the beach. After I'd finished up outside, I came in to find Ashley drinking a cup of hot chocolate in our kitchen, sitting comfortably under a strained glass mural of a ship she'd painted. Made you a cup, she said gesturing to a steaming hot cup of cocoa on the table beside her, before noticing the tattered doll in my hand. Oh God, not another one. I found it down on the beach, I said. Uh, you gonna fix this one up too? I looked down at the broken doll before shaking my head. Too busted, I said, before deciding that this one needed to go in the trash. So that's two now? She asked pausing to wait for the foghorn to sound before continuing. Is this going to be a thing with you? She only seemed to be half joking. Well, you gotta admit it's a little more interesting than stained glass. I teased. Hey, screw you, man. She replied, cracking a small smile. I took my cocoa and took a sip of it. The foghorn blared again, allowing her to continue. For something to keep me from going crazy, at least it's constructive, and you gotta admit that I'm getting pretty good at it. I looked up at her mural and nodded in agreement. She was getting good at it. 
We all go crazy in our own little ways, she said. I make stained glass. You collect weird beach dolls. I mean, I don't think taking the other one home was that weird, I said, as the foghorn sounded again. I was talking more about the fact that there even are beach dolls, she said. That's a little weird, don't you think? Usually we just see bottles and pieces of plastic, stuff like that. Never seen any dolls on the beach before. Huh. Yeah, I mean, ocean currents maybe? I asked. There's a lot of crap out there. Maybe, she said with a shrug. I guess it's not the weirdest thing you could possibly find, but I don't know. The foghorn punctuated her sentence, and I looked down at the ruined doll again. Studying it closer, I couldn't help but remember how Ashley had mentioned that the last one looked like something had been chewing on it. This one sort of looked the same, although much worse for wear. I shrugged off the state of the doll and tossed it in the trash. No point in looking too hard at it, I figured. Over the next couple years, I found another doll once every few months down by the beach. They weren't all the same. Each one was different in its own unique way. The next one I found was further down the beach, near the bottom of a charming little waterfall I sometimes visited during the hikes I took during my downtime. This one opened and closed its eyes, depending on if it was lying down or not, although the eyelids had partially rotted off, meaning that they technically stayed open no matter what. It seemed a little bit older than the others, and was actually starting to grow moss on it, but it was intact enough that I took it with me. I'd been working with Gideon that month, and when he saw me bring the doll in, he actually laughed at the sight of it. <laughs> Found another one, huh? He asked. Down by the waterfall, I replied, holding it up to show him. I gotta say, this one doesn't seem to be in all that bad shape. He just shook his head in disbelief. That is easily the creepiest thing I've ever seen, he said. Oh, come on, creepier than the moose head? I asked. He raised an eyebrow but didn't argue. I spent that afternoon cleaning the moss baby while I waited for my bread to bake. Getting the moss out of his hair was the hardest part, and even when I was done, it still had a greenish tint to it. When I got back from my rotation, Moss Baby was the second doll I posted online. Just like the first, nobody came forward to claim it. Two months later, and I found a crocheted baby doll on the beach. This one was in very rough condition, having almost completely dissolved into wet threads. But I kept it anyway, and I tried to put it back together. It became the third I posted, although I ended up throwing it out after trying and failing to put it back together for the better part of two weeks. As time went by, the dolls in my apartment piled up. Every few months, I'd find one I thought I could save and brought it home with me. The office of my apartment started to become something of a museum, with shelves lined with the sea-battered dolls I'd found. I started seeing them less as things I hoped to return, and more as mementos of my days at the lighthouse. I even kept them beside some of the gifts I traded with my colleagues. A mounted elk skull I'd gotten from Gideon, and a stained glass sign that Ashley had painted for me as a gift that read, Advice from the Ocean. Be sure of yourself. 
Take time to coast. Avoid peer pressure. See life's beauty. Don't get tied down. Make waves. I still never really considered doll collecting to be my weird hobby, but it still was turning into a hobby, I suppose. Right up until I found the red-haired doll. It was a clear night. Gideon, Ashley, and I were all working a rotation at the lighthouse and had decided that it was the perfect night for a campfire. Ashley had brought marshmallows for just a night like this and was greedily toasting one after another and shoving them into her mouth while Gideon sat nearby, calmly reading a book. I'd gone down to one of our sheds near the beach to get more firewood when in the light from my lantern, I saw a speck of red among the rocks. I'd paused before going to investigate and finding yet another doll there. This one was plastic, with an ugly moping face and frizzy red hair. Someone had scribbled all over her face with a marker, giving her big glasses and an attempt at a smile. Although with her face bleached pale from the sun, it made her face look more like a grinning skull than anything else. I held on to the doll while I grabbed the firewood and brought it back with me to the campfire. I'd barely even made it back when Ashley noticed the doll. Oh God, Gideon, he's got another one. Seriously? Steve, where do you keep finding these? On the beach? I said plainly, as I set the firewood down and held up the doll for them to see. Okay, it's official. This is the worst one yet, Ashley said, popping another marshmallow into her mouth. Does this one look chewed up too? I frowned and looked down at the doll. A little bit, I admitted. But you gotta admit, it's one for the collection. Oh, so now it's a collection, Gideon said. You know, the first step is admitting that you've got a problem. That's what you did with your deer heads? I teased. It's not a problem, it's art. He replied. Alright, keep telling yourself that, buddy. In an effort to annoy my colleagues, I set the sad skull girl down by the fire beside me. Ashley just shook her head and smoothed back her long brown hair before sitting back and reaching for another marshmallow. Did anyone ever claim any of those dolls you've been collecting? She asked. Nah, they're sitting on a shelf at home, I said. There's a shelf now? Gideon asked. My dude, how many of these things do you have? I don't know. Seven, eight now, I guess? He just shook his head. Crazy. Hey, I still got them up online, I said. Maybe one day someone will claim one. I had no idea how prophetic those words would turn out to be. I posted Sad Skull Girl to the usual places, asking if she belonged to anyone, but I never expected to get a response. First time for everything, I guess. I woke up around a week after I'd posted her to an email from a woman named Lily Thompson that read as follows. Mr. Lawson, a friend of mine has shown me the doll you posted to social media recently, and I regret to inform you that I do recognize it. I have a close friend, Donald Trantham, whose granddaughter owned a doll identical to the one you shared. A doll who was with her at the time of her disappearance last year. Please, Mr. Lawson, 
Can you reach out to the St. John's police? Show them what you found. Donald is a dear friend of mine. He and his family have suffered greatly from their loss, and I want nothing more than to see them receive some closure. Yours, Lily Thompson. I think it goes without saying that reading that email sent a chill through me. The markings on the doll were distinct. While I was sure that identical dolls existed out there, none of them would have had a face like Sad Skull Girl. Someone had drawn on her, tried to change her face, tried to make her smile, and that someone had been missing for over a year now. Obviously, I reached out to the St. John's police. I sent them photos of a doll I'd found, along with Lily Thompson's email. Then around three days later, I had the police knocking at my door. I answered their questions, told them where I'd found the doll, and even mentioned that Gideon and Ashley had been with me when I'd found it. I even showed them some of the other dolls I'd found, washed up along the shore, and let the police photograph them. I didn't think that anything would come of it, but not even a week after they'd interviewed me, they came back. Six of the seven dolls I'd found had been connected to children who'd gone missing in the past five years. The police took them as evidence, brought me in for questioning, and I told them everything. They even brought in Gideon and Ashley to confirm my stories, since they'd been with me when I'd found a couple of the dolls. Ultimately, I wasn't arrested. My story stood up to every question they asked, but I was still shaken down to my core. All those dolls, the ones whose owners I couldn't find, were mementos from some missing child, and I couldn't deny what that probably meant. It was a few days after the police questioned me that Ashley invited me out for coffee. We didn't live in the same city, but she'd come down to talk to the police and figured she'd check on me while I was there. All those kids, I said, staring lifelessly down into my cup. And what about the dolls I didn't save, you know? How many more? Hey, you had no way of knowing, she said, putting a reassuring hand over mine. And you were trying to do the right thing posting those dolls, trying to see if anyone recognized them. If you hadn't been doing that, then those parents wouldn't have heard anything at all. The police wouldn't know where to look for... She trailed off not wanting to finish that sentence, but I didn't see any point in trying to spare my own feelings. Look for the bodies, I said. I wasn't stupid. I knew what the abandoned dolls probably meant. Ashley gave a grim nod. You did what you could, she said. That's all any of us can do. Yeah, I guess, I said softly although I couldn't help but feel like it wasn't enough. Then again, what would be enough? And look on the bright side. You're not a suspect anymore, so there's that. She tried to force a smile, but it seemed hollow. Yeah, and whoever the hell's been doing all this is still out there, I said. I never saw anywhere the dolls could have come from. You know, I, I never... All I was able to tell the police was that it wasn't me. Ashley's fake smile faded. She shifted uncomfortably. What? I asked. And she sighed. 
Okay, well, that might not be entirely true. When I was talking to the police, they asked me if I saw anything strange out at the lighthouse over the past few years. Something that might be connected to the dolls, and I don't know, maybe it was nothing, but I remembered something. Okay, so it could be nothing, Ashley continued. I mean, it's probably nothing. But every now and then, I saw this boat out on the water. It wasn't all that big, gunmetal gray, kind of boxy looking. I usually saw it early in the morning. It only really popped up once every month or so, but it was out there pretty frequently. And look, maybe I'm just making a connection that isn't really there, but sometimes I thought I saw him throwing something into the water. I always figured that the guy was just out there fishing, but with this stuff about the dolls, you think it was him? I asked. I don't know, Ashley said. But the police asked me if I remembered anything, and that's what I remembered. She took a sip of her coffee. Her brow furrowed as she did. Maybe it's nothing. And maybe it was. I hoped it might be. When it was time to rotate back to the lighthouse, I was almost afraid to go. I was even more afraid that Ashley and Gideon wouldn't be there with me. But they were. Our first few days back were quiet and almost blissfully uneventful. We did our maintenance, we tended the light, and we kept to ourselves. In the evenings, I baked bread while Gideon read and Ashley worked on her latest stained glass project. And if any of us ever needed to go down to the beach, I let one of them do it. I didn't think I could handle finding another doll, knowing what it would probably mean. For two weeks, we just sort of existed, until the morning where Ashley saw the boat again. I'd been asleep when I heard her yelling and coming down the stairs. Gideon, Steve, get on the radio. I sat up, groggy and only half conscious as she burst into my bedroom. What's going on? I asked. The boat, she replied, a grave look in her eye, and it took me a moment to realize what she meant. Gideon had just barely poked his head out of his bedroom when I ran out. Ashley was already heading back out the door, a pair of binoculars in hand, while I got on the radio to call the Coast Guard. I saw Gideon barreling down the stairs past me, running out the door after Ashley to watch the boat. This is Everfolk Point Lighthouse, I said into the radio, calling in regarding a suspicious watercraft. I told him everything before switching out with Gideon when he came back inside so I could see the boat for myself. The gunmetal gray boat sat below the rocky cliffs in the distance, although it already seemed to be moving away. Ashley offered me the binoculars and I took them, staring out at the distant boat. Behind the wheel, I could see a man. He looked to be somewhere in his forties with a thin scuff and dead eyes. He stared vacantly ahead not even noticing us as he passed. I noted every detail of his face, knowing that I may need to identify him again. He'd made it a good distance away from the cliffs when we saw the Coast Guard ships arriving and they boarded him. I felt a quiet sense of relief wash over me. If this was the man, then they'd gotten him. We heard nothing from the Coast Guard or the police over the next few days.
Although once my rotation ended and I made it back home, I heard plenty, both on the local news and through a friend of mine who'd married a cop. The man on that boat was identified as Brian Ligon. Apparently, he lived in a small cottage outside of a town several kilometers down the coast from our lighthouse. And while they found no bodies in that cottage, they clearly found enough to arrest him. The way I heard it, guy was completely nuts, my friend said. Soon as they booked him, he'd started screaming and ranting about how he had to kill those kids. How he was actually a good person and he had to feed something. This is why I never ask about these things. It just makes me sad. Well, I appreciate you asking for me, I said. My friend took a sip of coffee, giving a frustrated sigh. Uh, supposedly, he was throwing those dolls into the ocean because he believed their souls lived inside of him and were feeding something in the water or something like that. Either way, it's crazy. Yeah, crazy. I agreed. Although my mind wandered back to the teeth marks I'd seen on some of the dolls. I tried not to think too hard about that. I read somewhere that Ligon was found dead in his cell the other night, and I can't pretend that I don't find the news of his death a little relieving. It's clear to me that he was a monster, and that there are parts of this story that I do not want to or need to know. I've told myself that I won't pry any further for the sake of my own mental health. I have enough nightmares about the dolls as it is now. And there's a very large part of me that just wants to forget that any of this ever happened. But the questions still gnaw at me all the same. Ligon was probably crazy. And when he said that he believed he was feeding something in the ocean, those were probably little more than the words of a deeply disturbed individual. But I can't forget the teeth marks I saw in the plastic flesh of some of those dolls. I know it's probably nothing. Logically, I mean it has to be nothing. But as I sit here tonight, staring at the only doll I have left, the first one I took from the beach, I can't help but look at those old scars in her flesh and wonder. <laughs>